0: Welcome to Founders First, a show about mental health and entrepreneurship and how to build resilience to stay stronger, happier, and be more successful. You can engage more in the conversation by going to the App Store on your phone and searching Founders First Community. Our guest today founded luxury destination management company IC Bellagio in 1999, The company has since become Italy's most award-winning travel company. She's on the executive board of entrepreneurs' organization, Italy, and is also a strong advocate for women in the travel industry. In fact, IC Bellagio's leadership team is entirely female. After experiencing 19 years of revenue growth, the world changed due to COVID and her revenue fell 95% in one month. The passion and positivity that has since saved her business has made her a sought after speaker. And we are extremely fortunate to have her with us today. Our guest is Andrea Grisdale. I want to kick us off with this concept of of conquering self-doubt as an entrepreneur. We've found one of the biggest challenges for our members at Founders First and and really entrepreneurs everywhere is is self-doubt. 20 years ago, you decided to face the uncertainty of the entrepreneurial journey and launch IC Bellagio. Launching any business is a huge undertaking, but you did it as a foreigner in a male-dominated society in what must have seemed like a fiercely competitive market. I have to say, that's a massively courageous move, and you've clearly turned that into a huge success. The road ahead must have seemed really daunting. So I want to ask, how did you get yourself mentally prepared for the challenges that you knew you would face in starting this business?
1: Um, In all honesty, Aaron, I think character-wise, you know, my my WhatsApp um, photo is actually a statement that says, if somebody asks you to do something, um, say yes and work out how to do it later. And that's basically my entrepreneur journey. Um, when the company began, I was after working as a, uh, for a tour operator and then I became a local guide and tour manager. Literally, um, you know, I, w- I built up the business with the clientele um, under the umbrella of guide and tour manager. And then it was a case of people asking me, can you do this? Can you do that? And I would always say yes. Didn't have a clue what I was talking about half the time. You know, they would say, can you help me in Positano? Where on earth is Positano? And of course, we didn't have Google on our phones way back then. Um, And so I just, it was for me, this was never a job. It was never about the money. It was about enjoying the challenge. It was about saying yes. Um, you know, just really loving what I do and loving a new opp- a new opportunity. And whenever mistakes were made, which obviously there were so many, um, I really learned, thanks to EO, um, to look at them not as mistakes and kind of beat myself up about it, but say, okay, what can I learn from this? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is an opportunity here. There's an opportunity here, you know, in everything there's an opportunity. So, um, you know, as we all know at the beginning, you beat yourself up and think about what you didn't do, but I really was able to turn myself around and say, okay, hold on a minute. Let's concentrate on what you can do and then work out the rest later.
0: Yeah. It, it reminds me of you know, in my kind of early starting software companies. So probably, 2002 a friend of mine was was doing like internet support for a local business in in this town where i was a a college student in in chapel hill north carolina and he said you know one of the businesses he's working for is having a software problem with an online um delivery uh, like um it was basically a service that um allowed restaurants to deliver through their service right restaurants that didn't deliver on their own all these menus and ordering and and pieces of it and um and, and he said, oh, I can get you a meeting with them. And I was like writing very early software. Like I was very early in, in writing software and didn't know what I was doing, but I was, you know, the opportunity to actually help a real business with a real big problem popped up. And and I jumped in and I said, yes. And and they said, also, um, the other person that's been trying to build the software has been working on it for six months and it isn't working. Um, and we need it to work in three weeks. <laughs> and I said, sure, I'll do it. And I think I didn't sleep for three weeks. They, they brought me uh, donuts. Into my office uh, for my team a couple times over over those weeks and and we made it happen. So I, that's what comes to mind when I you know your story of yeah, can you do this? I you know that was my same thing. Like yes, I can do it. Now what is it? <laughs> and, yeah. And, and yeah, exactly. Ah, like I don't even know how to do it. And if you gave me a year, I don't know how to do it. I have to learn. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I mean, honestly, that's the way it was. And in all honesty, Aaron, yes, and um, you know this is really a male-dominated society or country, if you like. But I also think in all honesty, being a foreigner and being a woman uh, was a huge advantage. Hmm. Um, First of all, you know, here in Italy, different to our our English language, you you have the polite form of speaking and you also have the more formal form of speaking. Mm -hmm. Uh, Same in French and Spanish. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I was Italian and I was meeting someone, especially if they were older or perhaps they were in a professional position, you know, I would be expected to always address them using the formal form. Mm. Well, guess what? I'm a foreigner. I don't know any difference. So <laughs> I would always, and to this day, I always use the friendly form, which yeah. I get away with because I'm foreign. <laughs>
0: um,
1: and it just gets me so much closer to the person so much quicker. So, you know, what I was saying earlier about what it, what could be perceived as a problem don't look at it as a problem. Look at it as an advantage. Look at it as what can I make, how can I make this into an opportunity?
0: Yeah, incredible. Our, our challenge actually for our peakability members this week is about thinking, looking back on something that felt like a huge challenge in your past and trying to find some things you can be grateful for around that and positivity around that. yeah, is, um, yeah really interesting to think about. All right, so you've built this great business in a stunning location. You've got a great team working for you, a carefully cultivated network you engage for your clients, and then COVID hits. And this yep. is the type of business that COVID is going to bother. <laughs> this is not like digital software, you know, remotely over the internet, nobody face-to-face, right? So you're you're in an industry probably that might be hit the hardest, and you're in Italy, which at least from our view over here in the States felt like it was the early epicenter where Um, You know, Italy is what got me scared (laughs) about the virus, seeing what started to happen there. And, you know, the situation was getting worse every hour in the beginning. Tell us a little bit about the moment when you realized how serious things were going to be for your business and what was going through your mind that might lie ahead for you and your team and the future of the company that you'd worked so hard to build. 1999 and then, you know, 2020, right? So 21 years into this company.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Aaron. So 2019, our best year ever, absolutely amazing, mega year, fabulous sales, great team, great company culture. You know, life was fantastic. Um, Fast forward to the weekend of my 50th birthday. Um, We left on the Friday night, 21st of February having the best year ever once again, we were up like 30% on what we were doing at the same time in 2019. And by the time I get back to the office on the Monday, so 24th of February, it was quite clear that something that we thought was just kind of this little virus that came from China and it was in this little kind of um, town south of Milan that could easily be contained and then would go away, was actually not gonna go away anytime soon. Mm -hmm. And that's when we really started to um, receive lots of emails, lots of telephone calls, you know, asking what the situation was. And we really went through that probably for about two weeks. I was actually due to leave to uh, fly to Nepal and climb to Base Camp Everest um, on the 7th 7th of March. We made the decision a few days earlier not to go because also, apart from COVID, um, the first six months of 2020, my um, future father-in-law was actually very, very sick and eventually passed away at the end of June 2020. So this was all going on as well at the same. In time, God forbid, life should be boring, right? <laughs> um, so the, se- the weekend of the 7th of March, um, Alessandra and I, we left. We went away for the weekend just to get away from life and uh, waking up the next morning in the hotel. We go for breakfast. We see all these people so angry, um, kind of mad with the world. And we go, what on earth is their problem? You know, you're in the most beautiful hotel on Lake Garda, the stunning views. And as we walked through the spa area to the restaurant, we kept seeing closed, 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 closed everywhere on every single door. Mm. And the receptionist who had greeted us, the, the previous day he explained that lockdown had been announced the night before quite late and they had to close the hotel we were welcome to stay as long as we wanted into the afternoon but we had to we had to leave and uh, it was time to go home mm-hmm. and i can tell you that Clients, including ourselves, were just sitting around the hotel in a total daze, not knowing what was ahead of us and who would have ever thought what was ahead of us uh, was actually going to happen. And uh, we came home and the following morning, I sat down with my CEO and we had to make a very, very tough decision. Mm. Um, I think it was a case of removing emotion. Um, you're also talking to someone who's a huge people pleaser and, um, you know, I'll always, you know, one of my probably, um, good things and bad things is I'll always put other people before myself. So having to make a choice, um, of putting people into a furlough scheme, knowing as well what their personal situations were, were what home, how important the job was to them, what was it, what was it going to mean to their lives? for me to do this. Um, It was horrendous. Mm -hmm. And we made the decision to keep 11 people on a task force. Those people were chosen for character and their skill set. And everybody else was put out into a scheme. I think we're extremely fortunate to have that scheme, Aaron. Uh, Basically, it's the government assures them 80% of their base. Salary,
0: um,
1: and that is something that is still available to this day, and we still have those people out on furlough today. Wow. Uh, so it's, it's it's been a year, literally. Um, so that was day what? That was the 9th of March, and the following day, it was a case of okay. We've got to think strategy, we've got to sit down, we've got to get our objectives, what are we doing here? We actually managed to come up with four objectives. Don't ask me how, because I think I just went into automatic pilot uh, those days. Um, that we have, we decided we had to stay positive no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, we had to be flexible. Uh, we were not giving up. There was no way this ship was sinking on our watch. You know, it was kind of, we don't care. You know, you will be dragging us out of this building, but we are not giving up <laughs> and keep the dream of Italy alive. Um, and so that basically was the very beginning of covid um, as you rightly said there were so many different messages coming out at the beginning it was a complete and utter emotional roller coaster what they were announcing at 9am was different at 12 noon was mm-hmm. different at 4pm was different at 8pm and uh yeah it was one hell of a ride
0: yeah i um I had a, a slightly similar experience in that I was away from home on the first days that, that things closed here in Colorado. And I was actually in a in a off grid backcountry hut, like way up in the mountains, you know, no cell service in the middle of nowhere with a, a, with a group of friends. And, and we did two, three days, two nights. And our experience coming out was was really fascinating we kind of drove even just getting back on the highway there were a few cars on the on a major interstate we're like this is a little weird for the middle of the week and then we tried to stop in a restaurant for a snack on the way home and every restaurant was closed and we're thinking yeah. well we need we have to drive four hours we'd like we don't have any food we ate it all in in the, in the woods on this trip and like what what have we just driven back into like what what this yeah. we miss? and all of our phones are you know news of of what's just happened in that you know 72 hour period started to come in and and for for everyone I, we were all thinking yeah what is the next month what is the next week going to look like what is the next month going to look like i remember feeling relieved that i didn't have to go anywhere anymore like yeah. looking at my calendar everything canceled so that was good were, were you i mean at that time you must be not just dealing with current clients that were in properties and on vacations but everyone who might visit in the next 3 months is probably all calling at the same time right everyone has the same question
1: Absolutely. Um, It was, it was an absolute nightmare. I mean, the phones were ringing like crazy emails nonstop and everybody was looking for answers, answers that nobody could give. Uh, You know, we couldn't give any certainty whatsoever. When do you think we can travel? Uh, You know, if, you're, if I had a dollar for every time I was asked that question, mm-hmm. and you know, we honestly thought that, um, you know, people would be home for a couple of months. And then mm-hmm. at the very latest, our travelers would be back in the fall. Um, obviously, that wasn't the case. So uh, literally today, Aaron, some trips have been booked and rebooked three times over.
0: Well, wow. yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. So. You were talking about a lot of these experiences in a TED Talk that you gave recently, and you referred yeah. to the, that next stage as beginning chaos, that that period after the new reality had sunk in as you're trying to figure out how to respond. And at that time, you're faced with some really, really tough decisions. You mentioned some of those with, with staff changes that had to be made immediately. It, it seems like this was the moment maybe you switched from that autopilot you mentioned into kind of resolve, kind of digging into the situation that's going to be here for a while and deciding how you're going to navigate it. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about how tough that period was for, for you personally as the as the founder, the entrepreneur behind this business? How were you able to adapt and, and stay the course personally in the midst of all this trial? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think uh, the one word I would use was determination.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I was just never giving up, Aaron. I really wasn't. And in all honesty, despite the fact, um, you know, we, there was often times where we would meet the accountant and he would, you know, be looking pretty wide in the face and saying, oh, yeah, uh, this is not like we're going to have to have a serious conversation here. My gut kept telling me it's all going to be okay. Okay. Hmm. Uh, and that is another one of my learnings you know over the years Aaron even if I'm in a room and everybody in that room I, I'm there with the smartest people on the planet are telling me something and my gut is telling me the opposite mm-hmm. I go with it um, I did feel for sure a huge responsibility to the team and to our extended community to our supplier partners and their livelihoods and so we were just so determined um, you know that because we knew what our business means to these people and there was no way we were giving up on them. You know, we wanted to keep that business for them in the future. And so we just had so many conversations, um, you know, talking to clients nonstop. And obviously, with the time difference, you know, we'd be doing our, if you like, admin duties through the day and then having our conversations in really late into the night. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just a level that we, you know, we had to take responsibility. We had to be very transparent. Um, people would ask the question, <clears throat> sorry, are you telling me it's safe to travel to Italy? And my response would always be, no, I can't tell you that. I can't tell you either. It's safe to walk out of your house in the morning. All I can do is explain to you exactly the situation. And that's what we try to do. Be really, really transparent, not only with our travelers, but also with our extended community.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's, I think, a theme in there I'm I'm picking up. Maybe tell me if this sounds right in that, like, kind of. And I think as entrepreneurs, we often do this really poorly, (laughs) like admitting that we don't control some things and that we do control some things. Right. We can often I certainly can drive myself crazy thinking I have control over something that I might be able to barely influence. Right. Um, Yeah. a, A business in the past where I had huge suppliers on either side supply and distribution so i had um google as a partner on one side and the and the big e-commerce startup shopify on the other side of my product and i was this little tiny startup company in the middle and i was constantly banging my head against both of those massive companies thinking i could have some sort of impact and you know guess what yeah. it led to a lot of uh, of uh, upset and, and frustration so you're in a time here where you're really focusing down on the things that you can control what and what, what's in that list so people how you talk to people? <laughs> um, yeah. What What else? I mean, you obviously can't control the virus. You can't control anyone's safety. They've got to make that decision yeah. on, on their own.
1: Yeah, I think also, and you know, it was a case of uh, you know being communicative, keeping communications open. Mm. You know, we use social media such a lot. Uh, we were posting at least three times a day. Mm. And always, we always found something very positive to post about. You know, it sounds insane considering everything that was going on, but there was always a positive twist that we could put on something. Um, we did a lot of Instagram live interviews with people around the country, just conversations like you and I are enjoying right now podcasts um interviews for magazines i was on tv i was involved in a lot of industry panel discussions as well i'm actually part of a very important governing body called the world travel and tourism council i'm their regional member for italy and they are the people who are lobbying the governments um so i was able to also speak on their weekly task force call and participate and they were constantly keeping me updated as well which was fantastic so i could then keep other people um, updated. Regarding, you know, our travelers and our Travel advisors, 85% of our business is B2B. You know, we did coffee catch-ups. We did virtual appellate TV with them, uh, with our team. Daily huddles, of course, became even more important than ever before. And we also, you know, set up a WhatsApp group with our ICB-Lagic community throughout Italy, just keeping people informed. One huge difference, Aaron, which we actually learned uh, during COVID, is to stop with those emails pick up the phone and use zoom as well uh, this is something I've been chirping on about for so long and I was the worst uh, person out of everybody I can tell you honestly but you know nowadays we don't think twice about going on zoom whereas in the past it was always email email email
0: yeah so what impact would you say that had on, on getting your team and your your broader community of partners that you work with through the big challenge you really made a big difference there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Trust. And we, you know, we just were people kind of seen, saw us as the people who had, who they could go to and get an honest answer Mm. about you know, for Italy. And also, you know, just looking at people in the eyes, even if it was via the screen, it just really kept up that, in, that connection. And as you know, we were all so lost. Uh, it was just such an incredible situation that none of us had lived before. And I think, you know, just keeping that connection was just so important.
0: Yeah. What, as you look back on that time, any any favorite, you know, we don't have to talk details about names, but any favorite types of conversations that you felt like were really bringing a lot of energy to the folks that you were connecting with, themes and things like that?
1: You know, we tried to, we tried to, um, you know, make it fun. I think that's the thing, you know, maybe even a virtual apéritif on a Friday afternoon, everybody gets their beer, we're all on the screen together, and then just telling stories, you know, of the crazy client stories that we had, and do you remember, you know, when that client got locked in the Chinese restaurant, and, you know, just those kind of crazy stories that we could all just have a light moment and forget about everything that was around us.
0: Yeah. I just finished reading this book called deep survival. That's about this story of, you know, people that get lost in the wilderness or elite military people in really dangerous, really scary situations. And one of the, the big takeaways, even from the first couple of chapters of that book was this concept around how people use humor very intentionally in those really difficult industries where, you know, they, they have moments, like a lot of our business crises, you know, every single day, people that deal with really, really tough things like this, uh, emergency responders and search and rescue and um, what water rescue. And so there's a lot of stories about these folks. And one thing that was interesting that the author found is a consistent theme among these people is that they, they build sort of a language internally that allows them to talk about these really terrifying things they encounter on a regular basis in a relatively lighthearted way. And yeah. you could kind of look at it from a distance and say, you know, gosh, like how do you know, are they making light of these tragic events? And then I think after a minute, I realized you have to kind of make it, you live with this. Yeah or if you're living with this for a period of time, you have to start to find humor in it. Um, and it's specifically a, a tool that's taught to a lot of these elite performers to help them not get too worried and bogged down in all of the the disaster thinking, which would be very easy to, to bring up when you're in an actual disaster. Yeah. yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Without a doubt.
0: Yeah. So something you've talked about, which I, uh, which I really appreciate is, is how you saw in this challenge um, and, you know, an opportunity to help others in your industry who, who lived in areas where the virus had not yet spread. That's something interesting. I hadn't thought about, right. It didn't just go everywhere all at the same time. So you had the kind of pieces of your market to work with. Can you tell us what you did to help and what the impact was on you personally and on your team with that strategy?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Aaron. And this is where, you know, I was really understanding what my why is, um, you know, May, for me, making a difference to someone else's day or someone else's life really brightens my day. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that you know Italy was in a position where, after China, we were the first country to be hit. Yeah. So I realized once again, thanks to my EO experiences and the experience share, shares that we enjoy in forum. That I could actually take what I had lived, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I could reach out to colleagues who do what I do in every other country in the world and say, hey, guys, I've been there. This is what I did. Reach out to me. Call me talk to me whenever, whatever you want. And literally we were able to guide them in so many ways, you know, terms and conditions. How did you handle your team? How are you keeping in contact with everybody? um, What are you doing regarding terms and conditions, cancellations, refunds, vouchers? You know, we were able to share every single thing that we had lived. Even how we were keeping in contact with our travel advisors, with our travelers, what kind of communication channels we were using, everything we were able to share with them and truly make a difference and let them live this very, very differently.
0: Yeah, I remember our EO group here in um, just like the WhatsApp group for EO members here in the Colorado area. You know, in the in the early days of the pandemic, you know, questions, you know, very legal terms and condition questions. I think were some of the first ones I saw. Most of our business contracts all have force majeure contra- uh, clauses in them, at least here in the U.S. I don't know if it's as, as yeah. common. In, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so we're all wondering, you know, you, you know, force majeure is like nuclear war and global pandemic and all those things we always laughed at as we read down the list. Well, that'll never happen. I'll ignore that. And, and we all realize, oh, my gosh, like half of the things we rely on and half of the commitments we've made, maybe more of them have this clause in there. Are they any good anymore? Can we count on them? Um, and, and to have members say, oh, I've already talked to my attorney about this. Here's the answer we yeah. got. It's just absolutely incredible. And then in terms of relief funding, which started to you know pop up in the weeks after that here in, in the States, same thing. And it was... Um, you know, it was an absolute mad dash to try and get applications in here. You know, businesses were fighting to try and go to their bank and get a spot in to get an application in for federal aid, and the banks weren't prepared to handle the applications. And so there was this almost like war room going on in our EO group of like, uh, Wells Fargo just maxed out all their capacity. So if you're with them, um, try this other bank now, they'll let you open a new account. And all right, that one's full, go over to this one now. And I mean, it was just really fascinating to see the power of what a, a group of business people and, and, you know, I yeah. think we're both giving shout outs to EO and the power of the network there to, to be able to bring us together in that sort of way.
1: Yeah. And Aaron, one, one thing, which is huge for me, uh, my biggest competitor, um, someone who I've always politely said hi to in the past, but in all honesty, never really made an effort to get to know. Mm-hmm. Um, I really got to know him so well. I mean, we're now great friends. We now actually travel together and That friendship and that kind of togetherness was one of the best things I did during this pandemic because who better to understand what we were going through. And just as you mentioned about your group that you shared all those ideas with about funding and things, you know... He would call me, have you seen this? Have you seen that? Or how are you handling this? And, you know, vice versa. And being able to work together and exchange all these ideas with him and also our other competitors or colleagues across the country really is something that has been second to none. And again, thanks to that group, you know, we were informed about funding that was available. And, you know, we were very, very fortunate to receive it.
0: That's really interesting. So folks that you would not have invested a lot of time in in relationships with now all sort of bonded together through this this challenge and, and new relationships were created out of it.
1: Yeah. yeah. And also, Aaron, you know, with the with the World Travel and Tourism Council as well, I literally reached out to them and said, hey, when things became a little quieter and said, hey, guys, you know, I've got time on my hands. Who do you think I should get to know? And they've been hooking me up with people around the world who I would have never have had a conversation with had it not been for COVID. Yeah. And some amazing things have come out of those conversations, including new business as
0: well. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that the the part of your team that you were able to keep on through this kind of put on a task force. They didn't have probably normal client work to work on, right? Were they working on like internal projects and, you know, building infrastructure for the business and things like that?
1: Uh, they were working on, so booking and rebooking and rebooking yeah, once again, okay. the uh, clients. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, a big thing that we were doing was really making sure that people knew exactly what was happening on the ground. So yeah. when we were able to actually physically travel ourselves, we were out there and we were taking photos, we were taking video. And, um, you know, as you know, from your news channels okay. in the US, if you watch CNN or you watch Fox and you're talking about the same story, maybe you get two very different sides to that story. Yeah. So we really wanted to show people exactly what the situation was. So we did as much travel as we possibly could during the last few months. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, uh, you know, con- continuous, uh, contact with the clients but we also worked on new projects like virtual experiences uh, gift vouchers and gift experiences we actually set up a new division of the company uh, focused on the younger traveler uh, we've been working on some new projects regarding our villas as well so we've been very very busy uh, we have a great team here aaron you know our average age you know i kind of make it go a bit higher but the average age of our team is 32 years old so we have amazing young People,
0: yeah. So lots of ideas, lots of energy, and in this moment of sort of pause in the business, yeah. uh, I'm sure. A lot of those ideas probably came from that team that's that's on the front lines and has a lot totally. of totally one
1: hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Incredible. Yeah. So taking that challenge and turning it into an interesting opportunity to build things that, you know, all of us as entrepreneurs always say, oh, we're going to, we're going to build that. We're going to get around to that. But you, this actually forced an opening where those things could be, be be built and even not just one project, but I think you kind of named like five or six, right? Different areas.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. And I I just love it. It just gives me so much satisfaction when, you know, guys, they come up and they work on these projects. They put so much into it. And then, you know, I listen to them present perhaps to one of our clients, or maybe they're talking to a newspaper or a magazine or in an interview. And yeah, this is what gives me the satisfaction.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. All right, so to our guests, I've got a couple more questions for Andrea. If you have a question you'd like to ask her, now's a good time to go ahead and put it in the chat to make sure we get to it. So drop them in, we'll pick them up in a second. All right, so Andrea, in addition to what you've shared, there are some other things that you point to as key lessons learned, um, and even some positive outcomes from this whole experience. We just talked about a couple of those, but can you tell us what else you've learned about yourself through this process? You know, you, you've you've had to guide this business through, uh, you know, what would be like a hundred year flood if it was nature, right? A hundred year yeah. event that that you know is not exactly like we can walk down the road and, and ask somebody else. You know, what did you do the last time a pandemic came through? Those people are. Like, well, <laughs> yeah. Um, how have you changed as a founder through? This?
1: Um, I think in a big way, I think I've learned to value myself more. Um, you know, one of the first things I, the first decisions I made, which was a hugely incorrect or wrong decision, Aaron, um, you know, I felt in the eyes of the team, um, one of the things I had to do was uh, put my assistant in the furlough scheme, you know, by showing that, you know, I just thought it was the right thing to do in the very beginning. And obviously we're all taught as leaders that we have to put our own oxygen mask on first. So literally by um, removing my right-hand woman at the time when I was about to face the biggest obstacle of my life was really not the smartest move I ever made. (laughs) Um, So that is something that, that was a big learning, let's say. Mm. Also less is more, you know, Aaron, I, You know, I don't need all the stuff. If you see all of the things we've gotten rid of here at the office and also our property, you know, we had a a second company car, we, we don't need it. You know, we've been emptying our warehouse here at the office. Mm. You know, let's just keep the bare minimum of what we need and get rid of everything else it's completely declutter the company and make mm. the company so much more leaner and also more efficient, but get rid of stuff and make our lives and everything around us so much lighter. That was fundamental, I think. Yeah. Um, also, the big one is the importance of my mental, physical and emotional well-being, mm. um, taking care of my myself. Myself first, because if I'm not in a good place, uh, obviously I'm not in a good place to be able to lead people. Um, I also learned to listen to hear rather than respond. You know, I would always be going at 90 miles an hour, as all entrepreneurs usually do. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, but as as I was listening to the person, I was already thinking of the answer to the next question kind of situation. So I've kind of learned to slow down a bit, not too much, but a bit. And um, the importance of physical exercise without a doubt it doesn't matter what is happening i take time and uh i go walking and walk and walk um, because i am in a much better place after that
0: yeah and you mentioned that analogy i love around the oxygen masks first right and that's you know if if we don't have that energy and that capacity and that balance or the calm and the yeah. moment when we need it um you know we spread that out exponentially across our organizations right because yeah we have influence, executive amplitude, everyone assumes that we're right, even if we're not. And so whatever we yeah. say gets taken as as word and, and spread around. If you're thinking about like maybe the month before all of these changes hit and then you know, one month after. What, what sort of big changes, you know, you mentioned getting outside and walking and being, being outdoors. Did you Were you working more hours in the heat of this, less hours? Um, were you adding kind of other behaviors or, or habits that you didn't have before or, or dropping some? I think about your kind of routine you used to get through it.
1: I think I was delegating much more, Aaron, uh, to the task force team mm-hmm. and also listening much more without a doubt. Um, in the very, and also, you know, in the very beginning, um, it literally was a case of, we were working a lot of hours in the very beginning of COVID, um, for reasons that we were just around the clock, being in contact with people and just literally showing that, you know, we were still here, everything was okay, uh, really coaching people and just, just talking and listening.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm sure from, from your clients, maybe that were are stateside looking at what we were seeing on the news over there, um, to, to be able to just call into your office and hear that like <laughs> everyone's still alive and everyone's there yeah. must've been a great yeah. relief for a lot of people. And, and, you know, to your point, a stark difference than what we were seeing in a lot of the, you know, news and dramatic coverage of what was a bad situation, but, um, Yeah. Incredible. So a big investment in, in communication, I think is a really consistent theme we've, we've talked about today. Sure. Yeah. Kind of doubling and and tripling down on, on making sure you had the people to do that and just spending the hours and the cycles to be able to, to answer the phones and and communicate with people. Yeah. and, And be there. Yeah. And help them be calm. Yeah. All right, so Andrew, we usually wrap up our questions with a request for advice you would share with other entrepreneurs. You've navigated this massive challenge over the past year and have have come away with some great insights that can benefit entrepreneurs facing a variety of struggles. What advice would you give to other founders about managing themselves through times of crisis so that they and their businesses come out on the other side?
1: Um, I think first and foremost, Aaron, Huge responsibility to myself first and my own well-being. We just touched on that. How important it is. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but I was always brought up and told not to be selfish and not to think about me and to put others first. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one for me has been quite a quite a big one uh, to learn. Um, I've also learned to understand when I'm up. When I'm down regarding energy and mood swings, Mm -hmm. and also when I I see it coming, I can also now avoid that. Mm -hmm. Um, Take the time to get to know your competitors, Uh, could be positive.
0: Yeah,
1: Uh, the importance of journaling uh, really was fundamental for me uh, Mm -hmm. on a daily basis and writing down the moods, etc. Delegate sooner for sure. Um, and, you know, give these, give these great people around you a fantastic opportunity. Use time like this to reach out and have conversations with people that you would never normally have reached out to. Mm-hmm. And something I'm actually going to do next week is take a break. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized last week that maybe my answers were a little bit short and not so sweet as usual. So uh, I'm taking a week out and uh, I think it's the best medicine ever.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's, that's incredible to be able to see that. Someone shared in um, in one of our sessions the other day around um, this asking this amazing downhill skier about, you know, if you're skiing really fast on moguls and you find that you're out of control, how can you get back in control again? You know, you find that you're balanced, literally asked about his physical balance. You're too far back on the tails of your yeah. skis and you realize you're out of control. And this famous skier's answer was, you can't. You have to stop and then you can start yeah. again.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's
0: a a great analogy for what so many of us feel as entrepreneurs, where um, we get a lot of, often we get a lot of excitement out of our businesses, even when things are bad and that excitement can pull us back in again. We know when we pull up our email or walk back into the office, there's going to be something interesting there, whether it's good or bad. And it's easy to just want the next one is the solution. Give me the next one. Give me the next one. And uh, sometimes when we're off balance a little bit, we've got to step out and then step back in again.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally.
0: Andrew, thank you so much for sharing your story and your great insights with us about overcoming these challenges. Uh, We're gonna turn to our members and answer a couple of questions here that they would like to to have us ask. the first question's um, kind of actually tees into what you were just sharing really nicely. Um, how are you able to compartmentalize or process your own fears, anxiety, and emotions in the wake of COVID in order to make the hard decisions to save your business? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. There's so much emotion and intensity in those moments. It's easy to maybe just kind of shoot from the hip or make decisions. Faster than, than sitting back. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think, Aaron. Even now, you know, when, when you mentioned the TED talk, I did the TED talk about three weeks ago. When I was actually practicing that day, uh, just going through the the actual speech, I was an emotional wreck, and I think it was the first time, honestly, that I relived what I've been through. And I think, still to this day, I I haven't emotionally dealt with it um it'll probably come out at some point um Mm -hmm. i think i am still an automatic pilot Mm -hmm. and probably when our borders reopen and uh, our clients you know we see the travel will start up again and we all know it's going to be crazy that day when it happens Uh, that's probably when i'll have the opportunity to To let go and, uh, you know, take a look back over the last few months and really get those emotions uh, out and, uh, and deal with it. But right now it's a case of, you know, every day we've got to get through this and uh, we've got to make it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we we all do it differently. I, I remember one of my EO forum mates years ago in, in a forum I'm not in any any longer. I was sharing a challenge, and it was really emotional. And his his answer for me was, uh, "Just compartmentalize it, man. Put it in, put it over here and move on." And That wasn't how I was able to deal with it, but it was interesting to yeah. That that's yeah that works. And we all have different strategies. Yeah, yeah. and um, you know, I I, I think about you know, I see this at EO a lot. I see this in myself. I see this in, in so many business owners that are building great companies to a a certain scale. And and we get to, you know, like our our vision of what business would be like when we first start our companies is often like each year we're 30% bigger and that continues forever into the future. Right. And, I remember this moment when, when one of my four mates years ago shared with me, um, you know, the reality of how most big businesses are built over 20 and 30 years is that they have good years and then they have flat years that are really painful. And then they have good years. And those are the best companies in the world, right? The, the multi-billion yeah. dollar conglomerates that started from zero. Um, and then every other company, the reality for us is that we have these these highs and lows. And um, as an entrepreneur, at least myself, it's easy to want to look at revenue. And if revenue is ever lower in one year than the last year, it's like personal crisis in my mind. If, yeah. if team size, right? Or even office space, my beautiful office I have, or my X number of employees ever becomes half of X, um, I'm devastated personally. It feels like failure. And and you've had to go through that in in the last year. Can you tell us a little bit about that, that the the emotion around a bit of a reset? Right. I mean, you did not project that 2021 you would have a smaller staff size than 2019, your best year ever. Right. There's no way. Yeah. I
1: mean, 2019, Aaron, you know, we were 40 people. Uh, best year ever. And, uh, you know, between 1999 and 2019, I never had a year where we were lower than the year before. We've always yeah. had year over year growth. Wow. So, um, you know, showing a minus minus 95 percent sales <laughs> in 2020. Um, yeah, I probably haven't processed it right now, but I just, again, trying to see it as an opportunity you know what do we want? And I've been able to see how much fat we had in the company. You know, did I really need that amount of people? Um, it seemed like you know we were going the long way around doing everything. So this has really been a forced opportunity to relook at how we do things. And uh, I'm quite sure that the company will be uh, a much more profitable, but a much more efficient company moving forward, thanks to you know, the lessons that we've learned through COVID. Um, So again, it's been a huge problem. It's been one hell of a challenge, but once again, seeing it as an opportunity as opposed to, you know, a few months of absolute hell.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a a really beautiful and positive outlook you've been able to maintain through this. I think that's a huge testament to the the personal strength that you bring to this challenge that not all of us can do that. Yeah,
1: Yeah, but I have to say, Aaron, you know, EO, my, my forum buddies, I'm very fortunate. I have both a, a local forum here at EO Italy, and I also have my international forum. Uh, we were all part of the EMP class of 2019. And uh, they, they've just been incredible, you know, so supportive. And the experience shares that, um, you know, that I've learned and that I've enjoyed with them has just been second to none without a doubt.
0: Yeah, absolutely incredible. Yeah, that's one of my big takeaways from, uh, I went through EMP, uh, it's the Entrepreneurial Master's Program in EO for folks that aren't familiar with it, that's in Boston. It's a three-year program, you know, once a week over three years for entrepreneurs and um, it was one of the neatest experiences for that for me for that same reason, which it was about seventy percent non-US business owners, and for me as a, as a you know US business owner, it was incredible to meet these these folks running businesses all around the world, and yeah. um, that perspective is just unreal to be able to bounce an idea off of someone that has thought about their business maybe due to their culture or due to constraints in different places in the world differently from day one. Yeah, to, to run our problems by, just amazing. Yeah. You know. That's incredible. Um, Camille says, uh, thank you for all your knowledge and positive thoughts during this time. You are an excellent role model, exclamation point, success in 2021. Thanks for thank for- you. And uh, all right, last question here. So um, has your team shared with you their own observations of what they've learned from seeing you both pivot into a focus of helping others and rallying them to the cause as well? That's a great question
1: no they haven't but once again an opportunity has arisen (laughs) and this is something that i would actually ask them to work on and come back to me and i will actually share it with you aaron so maybe (laughs) that's another conversation we can have
0: that would be incredible yeah it's really interesting to think about the perspective uh that's a great question dan all right andrea thank you so much again for your time and your willingness to share yeah, this has been an amazing conversation and one that I know I'm going to think about for a long time. Uh, we'll put a video of this discussion in our community platform here at Founders First, um, where members that weren't able to join us today can be able to view it, so we can continue to ask questions and have some conversation there, and it'll be appreciated by our whole community for for a long time, maybe all the way to the next global pandemic, which let's hope is 100 years from now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks so much.
0: Yeah, Andrea, Andrea, thank you. We look forward to keeping in touch. Thanks so much, everyone, for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining us at Founders First. This conversation continues in the Founders First community. Search Founders First community in the app store on your phone to learn how to prioritize your health and wellness to become more successful. Get your questions answered by top entrepreneurs and receive notifications about upcoming shows. Until next time, stay healthy, be at your best, go change the world.